the ride-sharing economy is bleeding. The Q1 conference calls for both Uber and Lyft were basically cost-cutting manifestos. It's turned into a balance sheet and sustainability game. They've been swift to reduce their expenses all across the board, from dropping pool rides, coupons, and other marketing expenses, as well as cutting staff. Both Uber and Lyft saw volumes down 70% year over year in April. It's pretty crazy. If you signed on to your Uber Lyft app recently, you probably didn't see the option to do Uber Pool or Lyft Lines. Eh, you probably wouldn't want to anyway. An engineer, banker, and dancer go on a hike. They realize how things have changed and start a podcast. Hi, I'm Jed, the banker. I'm Shikhar, the engineer. And I'm Adrian, the dancer. And we are THC. We break down topics, meet pioneers, and share ideas. Welcome to Things Have Changed. Last episode, we talked about the airline industry being down 96%. Well, that means that there's nobody at the terminals um, calling Ubers and Lyfts anymore to get home or calling them to get to the airport. For Lyft, that's a pretty huge number. For Lyft, 10% of their rides involve going to and from the airport, right? So that was a big hit. When was the last time you got into an Uber or a Lyft? Months, it's my guess. Yeah. Been months. Yeah, the last time I uh, was in Anuba was in like Feb, middle of Feb. Looking into how those businesses are actually doing, I mean, if riders, if bookings are down like 80%, how, how does that affect their financials, right? So one thing we kind of dove into this past week was um, the Uber and Lyft earnings call. This is for Q1 2020. And... To say those calls were brutal would be an understatement. There is a huge shift from showing consumer uptake and the milestones that they've reached to a more cost-cutting focus that Uber and Lyft have taken to show that they are sustainable businesses and have um, a strong enough balance sheet to withstand this pandemic. So all this while they were showing growth. Okay. We are growing by this much in the U.S., in these big cities, in international markets. And now it's more about sustainability, right? So one thing both companies actually have been doing over the past month, month and a half, have been cutting costs, which means layoffs, which means reducing their marketing spend. They spend so much money on those coupons and those uh, 10% off on your next five rides, things like that that they have significantly cut. Uber has, has paused Uber Pool, and um, they are really trying hard to make sure they save whatever they can in order to withstand this long-lasting lockdown. Yeah, similar to the airline industry, there's kind of two overwhelming themes throughout these earnings calls for Q1 2020, right? One is a balance sheet play. So they're showing um, how much, how liquid they are 
and how solvent they are by displaying how much cash they have, right? For example, Uber reported they have around nine or $10 billion worth of cash um, with short-term investments um, that they can uh, turn into cash quickly to fund their operations. Um, and then there's the second overwhelming theme is the uh, optimizing of the operational expenses, right? So whether that be reducing um, some fi- some variable costs and converting them to, to fixed costs, you can really tell that it's all about solvency. These companies actually have enough cash to withstand maybe a year, year and a half, two years, just having cash in the bank, even without any revenues coming in. Yeah, what's interesting about that is that most of their expenses are largely variable costs. So, for example, Lyft has about two-thirds or 66% of its expenses are actually um, variable costs, which means that it varies with how much activity they're doing within the company. Um, But not all of their segments are actually suffering. Right. In fact, um, one segment in particular to come to notice is the Uber Eats segment. Uber Eats is doing so damn well. You know, gross bookings are pretty much up 54% uh, year over year in Q1 2020. It makes sense. You know, people want to stay home and, and order food. Um, but that's a place where Uber is really striving. Um, Uber Eats has saved the margin in this case. And they have other growth opportunities. One big play that they talked about a lot in, in the earnings call was the buying of Corner Shop. Corner Shop is a big um, grocery delivery service in Latin America, and they've been in talks with them, I think, since 2018 or so. Um, Badara highlighted that in the play to expand their Uber Eats business, especially as um, in these times where delivery has become such an interest to consumers, right? You have players like um, Grubhub and DoorDash, which is the largest uh, market share right now in, in the U.S., but Uber is extending those and also um, removing itself from other markets. I think they're exiting eight countries um for the different uh, ride-hailing services and then just really focusing on Uber Eats um, and the possibility of that across the world, that same concept. So we're seeing a shift from Uber and Lyft focusing on ridership to uh, food deliveries. Uber, not too long ago, was trying to acquire Grubhub. So they were uh, in talks and were... uh, in the works of acquiring Grubhub and really trying to focus on their food delivery and trying to gain a large market share. And when we look at the numbers, uh, Q4 2019, Uber Eats revenue was about $536 million. And in Q1 2020, it jumped all the way to $819 million. That That is a, a really big jump in how much revenue they're bringing in from uh, just food deliveries. And of course, that makes total sense. People are staying at home. They want to get a delivery from restaurants without having to go out to them and risk uh, exposure to groups and crowds. But is this enough to offset the expenses and costs that they have in their main business, which is rider transportation? Hard to say. Yeah. And um, I think they're looking at it in 
two ways. So I'm just going to focus on Uber for a bit now. Uh, Uber has divested from so many investments in the Middle East from India. Uh, they have really sold those businesses to competitors out there in other parts of the world so that they can focus a bit more on the US market. So that's number one. And number two is right now, just because of the competitive landscape and the VC money that's flowing in, neither the ride-sharing business nor the food delivery business is sustainable right now. Both are just bleeding cash. So what do you do? If you're a brand like Uber, you go out and you try to acquire someone in the food delivery space like Grubhub and try to monopolize the market so that you can then dictate certain prices, increasing the prices to improve your financials. That's interesting that they're trying to really streamline and cut whatever costs or inefficiencies they have in different geographic locations and just get a large market share in the, the fastest growing uh, locations. Because I'm, I'm sure the U.S. has probably the strongest demand and economy for food consumption and delivery uh, from restaurants. We're, we're just naturally massive consumers relative to other countries. Yeah, but Lyft doesn't have that, right? But in many ways, that is good. I guess it may be a strength to be focusing on the ride-hailing portion of it. Lyft really took some share from Uber, like almost 20% up uh, from what they were. So uh, let's jump into public transportation right now. Um, How is that affecting ridership and... uh, Potentially, as we, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of uh, possibilities of how this COVID situation pans out. Um, But what's pretty certain, I'm sure, is that people are going to be very wary and cautious to start to take public transportation once things start to open up. So will we see a influx, a kind of like a rebound in in uh, Uber riders, or will people be driving their own cars more yeah, as we yeah. jump back into normalizing the whole economy? This whole lockdown has um, kind of flipped the world in the sense that transportation might not be the same for a while. Uh, Britain, the, this was an article that just got published on the BBC where there are almost 14 million Britons that are ready to swap their cars for bikes. So that alternative travel that everyone was talking about, Hyperloop and, and uh, I guess, underground tunnels or self-driving cars, hey, there's another option. Let me just bike to work. There's such societal changes that are taking place as we speak. Uh, it's going to be so interesting to see if those start creeping into the ride-sharing business as well. Yeah, and then we also have, of course, the last-mile industry, which is electric scooters, electric bikes, uh, electric skateboards. Uh, I think uh, it was Boosted Board. They uh, went bankrupt recently, and Lyft acquired all of their IP and all of their assets, which shows that they're just trying to get that dominance and diversify their business a little bit to not just be focused on uh, car transportation, but also alternative forms of transportation, the last mile market. Uber did something really interesting last week where they literally divested 
the whole jumps, Uber Jump, which was the electric scooters from Uber, they have integrated it into Lime because they have put in 170 million as an investment in Lime scooters. So both Uber and Lyft are looking aggressively at these last mile options to really be the face of transportation in a post-pandemic world. Thanks for listening to Things Have Changed. Be sure to subscribe to never miss an episode and follow us on our Instagram at THC underscore pod. We're going to see you next time.